guys. Welcome back to The Grit. So good to be here. It is. It's a uh, final day of Fe- Actually. No. Leap day is tomorrow. Leap day tomorrow. Dang. Do you, do you know anybody born on leap day? I don't. No. I mean a good... But you've known people born on... You've known leap year babies in the past. You never had a kid in school who was like, I'm, I'm four. Conceptually, I'm familiar with it, but yeah. I don't. I can't think of anybody that I have known personally. I was Do always, you? I, I was always pretty jealous of the kids because, I mean, to be born on leap day is like it's rare, right? It is rare. It's like having that rare kind of blood type, which I was jealous of those kids too. It's like a superpower, almost. Yeah. I should have been really jealous claim. of the kids with the rare blood types. Um, then you're stuck, right? If I don't know. If there's yeah, mass transfusion problem. But I always thought the kids with the rare blood types, the kids born on leap day, I always wanted to be the unique. And I wasn't very unique. Speaking of your youth. How did you like that? Oh my god. How gosh, epic was that? Dude. It was really, really, really funny. This is a testament to our listenership. That's beautiful. I got an email the other day that um, goes, hey, I don't know if I'm the first person who ever recognized this, but Chaz is a doppelganger of Wilbur Kuchmeyer. It was uncanny. From Super from Surfer Magazine. Uncan- the likeness was uncanny. The li- How did nobody recognize this I have no idea. Now? But I mean, the greatest part of it was that he found your yearbook photo from, what was that, junior high? Maybe uh, high school? Either, probably early high school. Probably Ninth like, grade or something? Yeah, probably freshman year. So, high school photo right next to Wilbur's photo. Uncanny crazy yeah you are wilbur kukma i mean that has to go up in all ways is that is that going to go up on the uh if i have your permission oh, i'll put it please, up. please of course well what was funny about it was i and the reason why it's a testament to our listeners is not only making the connection but how did he find your yearbook yeah from? there must be a website or it made me think too oh is there a website where you can go there must be a website where well, just high school is digitized i'm sure their yearbooks right and there's just to go do a yeah, because I don't think I've ever put my yearbook picture on. I just presumed up. he knew somebody who went to high school with you, or he went to high school with you, and he had the yearbook. I mean, could have been that too, I guess. Yeah, but it's not like you live in Encinitas. Well, you didn't grow up in Encinitas. Yeah, no, you know. Coos Bay, Oregon. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, pretty epic, and I think we need to just replay that joke over and over. Like whoever has old Surfer magazines, it can find images and different poses of you and we can just keep recycling a different version I of this I guarantee now like cuz I hadn't thought about Wilbur, Wilbur Kuchmeyer in a long time but the uh, I guarantee that me if there's a picture of me on a board it probably looks exactly like Wilbur Kuchmeyer standing on a board and I want to see like his uh trials and tribulations yeah. because I guarantee there's more overlap than we're even aware of for sure and know? funny because I never I mean you know I like everybody grew up and re- flipping through the Wilbur Kuchmeyer comics uh, and never made the connection myself. It made me really stare at that picture and think I do look spittingly exactly like him. Similar haircut. A whole thing. Yeah. How did it never cross my mind that, oh, I'm Wilbur Kukmar? I don't know. I should have. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but- thank you. I, th- I thank whoever the listener is. I It made me chuckle so deeply, deep into the night. The other thing that made me chuckle is he didn't even post it publicly. No. He could have easily went on Beach Grit comment section and posted it, but he just did it discreetly just to me, knowing I'd be the only one potentially who laughed. Do you, do you think that he thought my feelings might be hurt? Possibly. What a, I mean, what a nice guy. Yeah, I think most of the world is that way. Yeah, but my yeah, my feelings. <laughs> most of the world is considerate of other people's feelings. <laughs> yeah. Despite your little echo chamber. I don't have any, and don't assume anyone has any either. Um, how's that McDonald's coffee? Uh, it's not bad, is it? Yeah, I'm I'm a fan every once in a while, to be honest, of horrible coffee. Is it like, horrible though? No, but okay. but you know, like AM PM coffee, like. 
getting on the road and getting to AM PM, like I don't do it in my home. I'm not a coffee snob at all. I'm pretty, yeah. Which I'm surprised by because you served me good coffee when I was at your home. Yeah, I mean, I like I like French pressed. I like a French press, but that's that's it, right? I, it doesn't get any fussier than that. There's no pour over, right. you know. There's none of no fancy vacuum anything. No weird. I hate whatever third wave, second wave, whatever wave those fruity beans are. Like, I like my coffee burnt. I like it black. But I like it, I like a good bean to start. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I also like good coffee, but I am more of a snob and I will not drink crappy coffee. Like, if I was in the scenario, and I've been in that scenario lots of times traveling, where there isn't, the only decent coffee would be Starbucks, and I will just go without coffee. See, but that's Even part, Starbucks isn't good enough. That's part of why you have to inoculate. Perpetual inoculation. You always, mm. like, that's why, before I come here, too, oftentimes, I will eat a McDonald's sausage cheese burrito. Mm. Just for when coronavirus wipes everybody out, and the only food left is fast food, yeah. I won't have a stomachache. I'll yeah. be good. I'll, I've inoculated myself against both bad coffee and fast food. Wow, this is a long-term plan. It long-term is. Long-term strategy it that is. may never even come to fruition. It's also why I don't drink a lot of water, because when water runs out, I'll be cooking just fine. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need water. As long as huh. vodka doesn't run out, which vodka is the... All it is is distilled anything, right? You can make it out of anything. Anything. But don't you need water to make it? Hmm... I don't know. I probably could get, make like shoe vodka or something. I bet you could throw anything in a vat and eventually it turns to vodka. You'll have like a team of children that you employ that are running and sweating and you're taking their perspiration exactly. off their body. I mean, that's probably a good vodka right there. Uh, child child sweat. sweat vodka. <laughs> um, how do you feel about tipping a barista? If you uh, go, this could be a barrel or not. Like if you are at one of these fancy coffee shops that yeah. I'm talking about, there's a tip jar there, and I see almost every person in line tipping the barista simply for getting doing exactly what they are paid to do. Ooh, you're a you're one of those. Yeah, well, go ahead. I mean, I'm a I'm a if I pay cash, I tip. Uh, the typically the coins, or if I have if the if they give me a five and a one and seventy five cents, I'll tip a buck seventy five. Right? Like, really? I'll, always a buck seventy five on a three dollar and seventy five cent coffee. Yeah, I never, I never even am calculating what my percentage is of that. When you say it like that, it does sound. But no, yeah, it's I'll I'll always throw what I have, and if I pay with card, it's a buck every time. Uh, for what? I just feel that. Uh, I don't know. I'm a I'm a tipper in general. Wow. Yeah. I like it. I like it when I don't have to. Like Lola yesterday went to Sugarfish. Have a funny. Have you ever been to Sugarfish? No, but sushi? I know it. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a. I mean, not a fancy sushi, but a good it sushi. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's well, funny. it's expensive. I have a good. I have a good Sugarfish story. Okay. Did I tell my good Sugarfish story of here before? Did I told it? Oh no, you should. Okay. Yeah. So yesterday, anyway, I'll just I'll. Well, I can't even remember what I was talking about. Sugarfish. Uh, tipping tipping oh yeah so sugarfish and kazunori his like roll thing they don't have tip you're not allowed to tip like it's it's just is it's what built it is. into the bill it's built into the bill okay. and so i like that system a lot i like that european system but if yeah i'll tip if i you know yeah i'm a tipper anyway kazunori yeah, go, go sugarfish sugarfish uh so went to sugarfish it was in calabasas i think uh, with family, wife, daughter, friends, their daughter. Uh, Sugarfish, for those who don't know, is kind of an upish scale sushi restaurant, like and very like specific. Uh, the I can't remember what the 
sushi chef's name is who started it but but it's on trend right now it's on trend and there's no like no substitutions no it's one of those where you don't go in and say well i like the roll with this right it's just you get your sushi how it's gotten totally fine this place though in calabasas in like an upscale strip mall so it's not like it's like this standalone you know epic experience it was lunch whatever rocked in uh kid doesn't my kid doesn't eat sushi really so but you know, like an avocado roll. So asked, "Hey, could you guys just do an avocado roll?" And the fussy waiter gave me the real, like, "No, we don't. You know, we don't do any exceptions." We, and made zero, like, didn't even say I could just bring her a bowl of rice. There was like not even one ounce of give. So I said, "Okay, fine." There was a Vons down the street, right? I mean, it's literally a strip mall sushi place at this point, Sugarfish, but still strip mall sushi. I go down to the Vons, buy her an avocado roll, bring it back in. Waiter comes over. And says, I'm sorry, you know, no, no outside food in here or something. And I was like, well, you're not giving me anything here. Like we had already ordered at this point a lot of sushi, I think, right. and drinks and everything. And well, you're, we're spending a lot of money. You're, you're giving me no, uh, no room to work here. Get, bring your manager over. Manager says the same thing. At that point, I had become so rage filled that basically jumped the coffee table got up, started screaming. I think at this point, the wife was screaming too. Both of us just like yelling at the wait staff, yelling at everyone. Everyone was next were cranked looking at us. Uh, and like, we're not paying for any of this. Like stormed out, left the bill, just everybody very sad. And then outside, uh, who was sitting there? I forgot the, there was a celebrity couple it was like Justin Timberlake and his wife or something Jessica like that. Beale? Yeah, we're sitting there watching the entire thing take no place, way. which I didn't I didn't even realize, but it made me so happy that I pitched the world's biggest fit in front of I think it was JT, but it was somebody at that level, okay. like super high level celebrity. Um did did they chase you down? I mean, are you legally obliged to pay the bill? No, I was like, I was like just screaming like screw you. I mean, I wasn't saying screw you. I was yeah. saying way just the baddest of words. Really? Oh yeah, in front just of the kids. In front of the kids, like I'm sure my daughter was crying. <laughs> like I was just oh big, the, the biggest scene ever. Just loving I mean, every second of it. Was it um, to prove a point, or were you that enraged and c- couldn't control yourself? I was super enraged, but also I was having once the rage built to that level. I wasn't even boozed at all. Like I was just having so much fun with it. So much fun. Being righteously indignant right. in a, you know, you like just pointing at people, smashing my finger into the manager's chest. Everybody, they were like, so. They weren't going to fight back. At they weren't going to fight they back. They weren't going to try to get all. you to pay the bill. Zero. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Um, that is so uh, reflective, though, of Sugarfish being the hot chick in school right now. Yeah. Like, Sugarfish is, like I said, trending and it's in big cities and it can't grow quick enough. Yeah. And we are just. N- not going to make any substitution or accommodation. And that's a fine posture to have, like sure. to kind of build your allure. But when it comes down to a family who's spending probably $200 in a strip mall on food in a strip mall, and the kid just wants this, you have the customer is right to I'm, an extent. Uh, completely. Like, know? I think don't, don't allow for the customer to change the existing menu no, items. I exactly. totally get that. But if if the customer wants something off menu that you have both things, you have they could have brought just avocado and rice. rice. Yeah. And you can assemble your own. I would have done it for yeah. her. Like but just to be that hot like these are the rules. I mean, it's for my whole life. People who follow rules rigidly and religiously 
drive me absolutely crazy. Like that, I think that's what now thinking back on the incident, that's what blew me up at the manager so much. The general manager yes. is, was his, my hands are tied position. Yep. Your hands aren't fucking tied. Tell me you don't want to do it. That's fine. Yeah. But don't tell me institutionally, this cannot be done. Right. Like just say, I don't want to do that for you. There's, and then I, I would have calmed down. I would have been like, great. That, thank you for saying you don't want to. Don't blame your institution. You, even in that scenario, understand the spirit of the law. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to abide by the spirit, but you don't, the enforcer doesn't have to enforce the letter of the law. Precisely. And, and, and if they're going to enforce the letter of the law, then take personal responsibility for enforcing the letter of the right. law. Say, I do not want to do this for exactly. you. I do not care. Exactly. I am not doing this. The other thing that drives me insane is when the uh, lowest paid employees in our society own the keys to the kingdom and they think that 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 they are in power you know whether it's the security guard at a concert or what in this case the server where it's like dude i have respect for all people regardless of the position that you are however you're being a dick right now you are trying to impose this is the one moment in our interaction where you have more power over me and you are going to enforce it just because you're being a dick well and imagine though i mean if he would have said if waiter would have said to me hey we're really not supposed to do this but i'm gonna hook you up then it would have he would have gotten a way bigger tip and like he could have made it self-serving yeah as opposed totally. to just i mean and that guy too the guy at the concert hey hey you know slip me a 50 and i'll let you in right is like why don't they make it work for them why don't they make the system work for them as opposed to working for the system completely so mm. did you tip him had no we got nothing <laughs> that was no tip that day even even if i couldn't have yeah yeah classic uh well so the tipping thing uh is certainly in a coffee environment I'm against on principle alone. Just because they're doing their job. But then what what differentiates a barista from a waiter, let's say? Uh, certainly a lot more out effort put in. Like sure. you're dealing with a waiter for an hour, let's say. But a, but a waiter's... But it, the tip should be based on their um, attitude, I would say. So if they're really gregarious and friendly or whatever, or maybe they just stay out of your way during the meal because that's what that meal calls for, then that deserves a tip. What I kind of... To agree with your question, though, is I don't feel like we are obligated. We shouldn't be obligated to tip even waiters. In society, we should be able to tip, pick and choose who we tip. My mechanic deserves tips, but it's weird for me to give him a tip, so I don't tip him. Servers were obligated to tip. Baristas, on the other hand, I'm getting a cup, a 16-ounce cup of coffee black. All they're doing is pouring it. It takes 20 seconds of their time, and I don't really care about I don't need good attitude. I don't. I need neutral attitude, and that doesn't require a tip. But there, there, I feel, and this is a, a bummer for the you know the company keeps wages low. I feel and puts the extra on us, but the extra is still on us, and so that barista is making what? How much an hour? Ten minimum wage, whatever that is. What is minimum? I have no clue, dude. That shows how out of touch we are. We're we not really men. Are. We're not men of the people. <laughs> not we're elites. Not we're the one percenters. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever it is, though, it's like a, you know, I mean, we're, we're funding their lives. You know what, though? Good. I want them to feel the pressure and get out of that barista job. But what are they going to do? I want them to, whatever they want to do, pursue whatever. I, work there for six months or whatever it is while you need to, and then uh, move on. That's the point of minimum wage. Wow. I did it forever. What, where'd you work minimum wage? Uh, restaurants for tips. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So you worked, you worked in the tip, the tip economy and are harsh with your tips. Um. 
No, I but I earned that. Like I learned a ton about wine during that time. I learned everything about the menu. Like I dan- I did a song and dance for that money every time. I mean, over time, I learned how to do that. You know, because that was the currency, literally. I was a uh, worked as a valet. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure I've shared some valet stories, but uh, if I thought somebody wasn't going to tip, even ahead of time, if I sussed them out, I would dig through their wallet. Uh, when I was if or their dig through their change and just steal stuff, dude. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Valets are totally doing that. I don't put that above anybody. Every time, I yeah. just funny after working as a valet, I did not valet. Even though I drove a total piece of junk, did not valet park my car for years yeah. after if I could at all avoid it. Not to avoid the money, but just knowing what I did yeah. as a valet was. It, I we, wonder what job is. Once people leave that job, they never ever utilize that job again. It's got to be valet. Valet, I would think working at Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah. Big pots of chili. It's fast food. Yeah. I Terrible mean, things happen there. You, oh, that's totally true. I had a buddy whose buddy uh, would lick the burritos closed at Del Taco. <laughs> totally believe it. Dude. I mean, fast food in general, you would never want to go back and eat. No. You know, it's like. Nope. People with no morality getting basically. Uh, you know, you're dealing with people who have the lowest kind of your customer base is just like the, these days. I feel that the fast food employee is so beat down, yeah. Though that they're just rotely going through their job. Where if I go to a fast food joint like and see a young high school kid working, that's when I get worried. Yeah, you, the saddest thing ever is when you go to a fast food joint and you see an elderly person working. Ooh, yeah, God, that is the saddest moment of my life. It really does cut deep. It does. It makes real... me reevaluate yeah. everything. <laughs> start pinching pennies. Like, oh, start tipping. No more. No, save every tip. Uh, well, we so we should talk about some non-food related stuff. Yeah. Uh, Serving Heritage and Culture Center. Thank you for opening the doors an hour early today to F- let Chaz and I in. Fantastic place. Shack.org. And then uh, you... So, dude, I was in Hawaii for two weeks. I came back. We had one episode with Devin. Then I text you the next week like, hey, let's get together and record. And you said you were in Hawaii. Pulled the trigger last what second. What the heck, dude? Last Who gets to do that? second. The wife had extra like companion... Alaska is a really fine airline for that kind of stuff. Extra companion tickets. Okay. Surfboards are free. And then we had a a wonderful friend um, let us use their house while we were there. So no airfare, no Basically no airfare, no accommodation. I mean, yeah, no airfare, no accommodation fee. I would go, yeah, I would go all the time. Made me really, I mean, funny. My relationship with Hawaii is of course, or for me, of course, uh, like I have a relationship with Hawaii. Welcome to paradise, all set in Hawaii. You know, I did my... Many years on the tour there, worked with Jamie O'Brien and lived there for a time. And but I haven't been back in a while. It really made me remember how much I love Hawaii. I love Hawaii. Me too. I'll say it right now. So, as I just stated, I got back two weeks ago. I'm going in two weeks again. Just because you got the bug that much? I, it's partially that. I also um, slipped into vacation mode too much while I was there and didn't record nearly okay. enough podcasts. And so while I was there, one of the guys that I spent time with was like, dude, I have a guest room. So anytime you want to come back, you could stay for free. Airfare super cheap. I is don't it, have the companion right fare thing. But yeah, it was 400 bucks. Oh, yeah. Basically. No worries. Yeah. So I, so I looked at all of these interviews that I should have done. And I was like, you know what? I got a free room. I should just go and bang out all these interviews in one week. So I'm going to go do that. Are they all on the same island? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you have a favorite island? I do. Yeah. Don't, don't say it. I won't say it. Good. Um, but a couple of Hawaii questions. So you did bring boards. Did. 
Yes. Did, did you surf a yeah, lot while you lot, were there? Every day. Did you get good Multiple waves? Multiple times. Uh, it wasn't good, but it was so much fun. Just being out in the warm water. And there's something about feeling that Hawaiian juice, like even the smaller mm-hmm. waves have just that extra little kick, yep. which there's just something really joyful about surfing in Hawaii. I know. Everybody's image of Hawaii is big North Shore waves. But to be honest, the best days that I've ever had are like mid-range, it's not that crowded because yep. like a lot of the locals are waiting for it to be pumping. But dude, compared to California, oh my four goodness. foot there is pumping. I mean, it, it made me so fall in love with surfing in a new, deeper, pro- more profound way all over again. Just it feels so good to surf in Hawaii. And so many of the lesser known spots, they have names, but they're not like a familiar to people who grew up reading the magazines um, or who have never been to Hawaii. So many of those mid-range spots are so fun. So fun. And the locals are cool usually. I mean, yeah, as long as you're not paddle, totally. paddle to the point and start snagging waves, like there's no bad vibe. There's Dude, no I've nothing. I've never had an issue with localism there. Yeah. You know? Um, how do you feel about a Mai Tai? Love them. Do you? In Hawaii. Uh, I, that's all I'll drink. Really? Or not all I'll drink. But yeah, every time I'll order at least, if I'm out at a restaurant, that's yeah. the drink I'm ordering is a Mai Tai. Um. I've never had one until this last trip. Did you like it? Too sweet. You thought it was too sweet. Yeah, there's huge variation between a good one and a not good one. Sure. So the bad ones are way too sweet and almost undrinkable. But a good one, it's still sweet as a cocktail goes, but it is a fantastic cocktail. Yeah, Yeah, it's a pretty good cocktail. A good, I mean, Mai Tai and Hawaii, there's certain things that I do every time in Hawaii. One is Mai Tai out at restaurants. The other is I'll eat as many Spam Musubi as I can. Really? I love Spam Musubi. I'm all about Manapua. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, you worked while you were there. You were publishing articles. I was. So I was very confused because that was exactly why I need to go back to Hawaii was I did not work while I was there nearly as much as I had intended to. Yeah. Uh, and I I did intend to. But once you get there, it's like... It's hard. It's the last thing I want to do. I know. Man. So how'd you pull it off? I mean, Beach Grits just got its bones or bony hands around my neck there's mm. i have such paranoia of letting the foot off the gas so oh, okay. it's just like yeah i'm a man possessed it's made me crazy good for you honest. yeah good for you it's not good but well it's not good for your family or people who want to spend time with you but and or anything else in my life like it's really shattering the rest of my life i realized um is it sustainable uh who knows we'll see i'm gonna i feel like i am uh did you watch ad astra yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I feel like I am what's his dude, not Brad Pitt, the Tommy, ugly, Lee, Tommy Lee. Like I'm out at the outer fringes right now, just going totally crazy, but not willing to leave, not willing dude, to to yeah to this change is my behavior. Such a good metaphor. Yeah, because for everybody listening to this has not seen Ad Astra. I would argue there might be two listeners who actually saw it. Yeah, it's Brad Pitt's new movie. James Gray is the director. Um, and it's in outer space and it's set in the future where space travel is kind of, uh, recreational. And then he gets there, he gets outer space and it's all commercialized. It's like Disney is sponsoring this thing and that thing. But his dad was early space explorer. So he's way out on the fringes and Brad Pitt, who's an astronaut, the government sent him out to snag him, snag his dad back because he went rogue. He went off mission. But really what's happening is dad realizes I am anti the commercialization of everything that's happening down there. Like space travel is supposed to do X, Y, and Z. And the corporations have turned it into A, B, and C. 
this is the perfect metaphor for the surf world. Yeah. You are out there on the fringes looking back going, I don't want to come back to the world that ELO is creating with the WSL. Blasting nuclear blasts back to knock it all out. This to knock is all so space travel out. Good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm out there. Wow. Fringy. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Tommy Lee. Just weird. Looking weird. Looking Amazing. extra craggly. Out in Hawaii, abandoning family obligations just to send messages back to Earth. Just sitting and hunched over in this front is, of my computer. Wow. Yeah. This is really profound. Yeah. It, it's, it's good. It's good. Uh, well, the other good news is about working from home is that we're all going to be sequestered due to the coronavirus, and you have already developed the game plan for staying at home and not being exposed to other people. Guess what I'm doing for the coronavirus? <clears throat> oh, God. I couldn't even imagine. I am... For the coronavirus. I am taking my young, angelic daughter. Her and I are jumping on a plane to Paris, and we're going to go Paris to Berlin on a train just to walk through zombie apocalypse coronavirus land you just want to give her like a first-hand accounting of i wanted to i mean we're gonna go play in the in the zombie apocalypse how like it's literally the world is shutting down over this thing that as far as i could tell i mean people are correct me everybody's gonna holler and i'm gonna get screamed at for being an abusive parent but no this is it like and it's when the worst things in the world are happening that's when you really pivot and have a lot of fun i i see where you're going with this so it's empty there's no tourists there's gonna things be, are going to be cheaper it's going to be crazy town it's going to be us picking the rotting fruit off of fruit stands that have been abandoned and this is smart jumping into the hermes store that's been looted and snagging umbrellas and singing songs as we hand in hand from paris to berlin genius yep i love this in 10 days just you and her just me and me and her and then my friend and his daughter and son and other friend and his son and son amazing yeah so it's a bunch like my daughter's the oldest so it's three dads and three kids or i'm sorry three dads and five kids all under the age of seven are you gonna wear masks i'm gonna get a cute one for her i think uh i'm not but yeah it's gonna be it's like a party through the zombie apocalypse genius yeah it's good. Um, I'll be covering it on Beach Grid. Okay, perfect. Extensively. I like it. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to. Yeah, of course. Can't let... Uh, no, can't let it foot off the gas well, at you, all. You can't let WSL take over in terms of web ranking. Heck no. We're smashing them right now. I saw that. I realize that they f- probably chuckle and think, yeah, well, you know, we have YouTube and like whatever else they have that yeah. the, their website is not the, uh, the entirety of their of their audience like it is for beach grit but still to smash them into oblivion feels pretty good tell me what that means how did you smash them into oblivion for listeners who didn't see that article uh i mean we just have what are we four times i think we have four times the viewers we have four times the visitors to beachcrit.com that wsl.com gets uh every month every day or you hit that number once oh i mean how it will, does this work we'll hit it we'll even blow it out of the water more next month i think it's just yeah we have we have four times as many people every on month average. on average come to Beach Grit than in December. It was different because of pipeline, so they were up on us a bit. But so right, let's uh, get into the statistics a little bit. Yeah. There's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics. statistics right. Yep. So um, your currency, your guys' model, Beach Grit's model is your product is your website. Yep. And the model is to sell advertising based on those views. Yep. WSL's model isn't their website. Of course. Right? So it's a little bit apples and oranges. Of course. Plus we're off season. So for sure. Their model is events 
and those events run on their website. So obviously it'll be bigger, like you said, in December or when the events. But it's, it's not that much. They're not that much bigger than us, even when they're full bore December pipe running, triple crown, everybody tuned in. We're still kind of right there. Also, I stated that as if those things are fact, but the reality is Elo's transitioning away from presumably this is Elo's direction away from these tentpole events where it's just and he's creating all this shoulder content that is meant to keep traction on the website there's still I mean precisely that like that's the whole like from my perspective I get it right I understand I mean I don't understand much but I understand that there is Facebook there is Instagram there is YouTube there's these other uh, content platforms I'll say and there's ways to both monetize and utilize those for your brand all that kind of stuff right um, from my perspective, nobody owns that stuff except for Facebook, right? And so why am I going to be throwing any more than I have to uh, on any of those platforms? I want people on the platform that I own because then there's no nobody can tell me what I can or can't say, right? I won't get kicked off. I won't have to bend to you know any kind of algorithmic rules or anything. We can do exactly what we want, which is, I think, why... For me, why it's so, even even though I'm Tommy Lee at the edge of space, just going insane, it's still so fun to be in our playground, not yeah. somebody else's playground. It's um, it's something that you want to continuously reevaluate as tech progresses at such a rapid clip, because there's times where what, what you're saying right now is absolutely true now, but three years ago, you needed to utilize that stuff from For a marketing sure. standpoint. The other thing that we all know at this point is YouTube's making that video player that doesn't buffer and that uploads so quickly and all that they're giving it to us for quote free but then they're tracking all of our information and they're utilizing that for their own benefit so you go into that account or go into that exchange now knowing if you're going to embed that player on your site you are still giving something out of the exchange so it's smart i and the other thing is i think um Expansion as quickly as possible was the model, like I said, a while ago and utilizing those things to market. But now that everybody's done that, they're recognizing it's better to privatize. So Disney's pulling back rather than selling their content to Netflix and everybody else. They're pulling back and going, no, 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 we're going to do Disney Plus and stream it so that we can manage our customer experience every step of the way. Yeah, and control. Well, I mean, that's what, and again, I, I feel that I'm probably real backwards. I think in my perspective here like I've, so many way smarter people than me have told me years ago the internet is dead right the internet is websites are dead no. uh i mean not the internet said sorry websites are dead but i still feel that beach grit is more is closer to disney plus than it is you know to what everybody else is trying to do the success of beach grit is creating a community yeah it's an ecosystem and a community that exists online it's a town square and so those people are right in that you could do that through an app maybe, or there's like other ways that you can foster this community. It doesn't have to just be on the website and with enough capital and kind of time, you guys could do that if you really wanted to, you know, but you can also just do it on the website. The reality is that community that you've built is happy just going to the website and sifting through the comment section to continue to find where the thread is. And so there's no point in you trying to adapt really. Don't want to. Because they've adapted to you guys. Don't want to. So... Um, but the ELO thing with Bob Iger leaving Disney this week, it made me think like Iger was such a good CEO that brought Disney through really amazing era, you know, and like, and a real, I mean, era of like 
in, as far as entertainment, fraught for Disney, right? I mean, the, when you have Netflix and Amazon and everybody coming in, when you used to be one of the only content creator, not the only, but one of a handful of content creators, now everyone's creating content. Right. Like, But Disney still does the best content. Precisely. So in terms of things that Iger did as a CEO, right? Like create, I don't know, seven, maybe five to seven movies a year that gross... million, maybe to a billion dollars per film worldwide using that that content that they create to then create all of this merchandise and paraphernalia that people then support that generates probably more than the film itself, then direct people to the amusement parks because you have little theme centers built around these movies. While also buying Star Wars and all this. acquiring... Things like Star Wars. So there's all these acquisitions going. Plus, so this, and they all spin off of one another, but, and feed one another, but it all starts with content, right? So then he recognizes, because of the way the technology is advancing, that we need our own content streaming platform. So they get into that and they do that really, really well. That is what a CEO should should do. That is the pinnacle example. Then I look at our world, the surf world, and I think... Name a CEO currently of any of the brands. You probably can't. Any of the surf clothing brands. Yeah, I and can't. Then, and then look at the WSL. Who has been an icon CEO? It's like everybody kind of flounders in the position, and they certainly don't – they don't even execute what their ambitions are most of the time. They transition They transition what their concepts are, and what, and then they get pushback, so they come up with a new thing. ELO could be the first one. ELO's the first who has actual direction – actual experience in the field but i still haven't he still hasn't produced anything that's the thing like there was there's all kinds of smoke and every time that you know his press releases or whatever interviews are always amazing just because it's such corpo speak but what has he done besides unhinged or what's the stinking show with uh (laughs) with uh transformed transformed besides transformed literally and selling hbo 24 7 which is bad. Theoretically, this uh, pro ultimate surfer, surfer, ultimate surfer show coming up, right? Where that's, okay, that's one thing. But like that ain't no seven films a year like Disney's doing, plus everything else. I mean, how hard how hard is it to make more content, more he, daily content? He's got a lot more work ahead of him than Iger did. Like Iger comes into this giant world. Machine. Yeah, and... I guess maybe in a sense, like it's harder to re-engineer the machine for how, Iger. How hard is it for stinking Elo though to go partner with content creators already doing stuff? And hey, we're just going to bring you in. We're gonna we're going to throw you a little money. I mean, from Ben Gravy on to whoever, right? Because he wants this big tent, and and so find whoever there's so many surf content creators who are just doing it for their own love yeah i don't understand how you don't start i mean why not bring who is job in-house like or do a deal with who is job that will you know give you will supplement red bull's budget for this and up your clicks you know for your adsense and all that and like Hosted exclusively on Red Bull and WSL for the first whatever. Well, a couple of thoughts. Um, What would the incentive be for J-O-B? He has his own platform. I don't think that he needs... The only incentive would be if it was an acquisition. If If like WSL comes in and goes, we're not going to partner with you in this false promise of being able to give you more clicks. We are going to give you $8 million. Yeah. 
and we're going to take your thing and we're going to hire you to continue to do it. But that would be Jamie's only incentive. Sure. Because Jamie realizes he doesn't need him. He's living way better than he ever thought that he would. That's true. But if they came in and I mean, they're there. And I'm not saying that that's the ideal play, but there would theoretically be a be it's a, play a worthy there. one. Yeah. I, yeah, that's what I'm kind of getting at, though, is what is the play? Like it'd be a, it'd be a collab thing with Red Bull, I think, where Red Bull and the WSL presents who is Job. It lives exclusively on Red Bull and WSL or whatever thing. Right. Red and then, Bull's already got Job. They're looking at the WSL as a potential competitor. I don't think I don't think they are anymore. I think that the competition days between Red Bull and WSL is over. I think now they're it's all about synergies. It's all about you know. So it's an interesting example, Job, because that's not what the WSL has done. That's not what Elo has done. He's instead gone more mainstream and do the ultimate surfer thing. And I think that highlights one thing that you and I have been criticizing all along, which is you don't get it. Like you don't get it going to the whatever the network is it nbc i think it's abc abc whatever network you went to there's almost zero chance that that can work like from the get-go it's just it's the wrong the problem funny i was in a room yesterday hollywood room yesterday uh having a meeting and hearing it's top top the top executives at a major 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 player uh we're talking about not on being able to even begin to get their heads around surfing because of they could totally understand it as a concept or as a thing surfing but professional surfing because how in the world do you judge one wave better than the other right was the end of their thing which is complete like surfing is not boxing there's no knockout there's no you know what it's not the 100 meter dash where one guy is clearly faster that's not it's none of that stuff it's a judged sport which is very 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 difficult to have that moment for the audience who doesn't surf to understand what is better than what right which i wrote about it on beach grit i think uh nick carroll made the argument oh i wrote it when i was in beautiful hawaii nick carroll made the argument that kanoa igarashi or, or surfing in the Olympics is going to totally crack it open, right? And now there's going to be real stars that get made from this moment, which I completely disagree with him in that surfing is impossible. And he, and he tied it to Sean White, right? Like the Olympics made Sean White a household name. Surfing will have its Sean White moment coming out of Tokyo. Where, no, because Sean White was doing something that was instantly, even though it, it's also judged, half-pipe snowboarding, you can see with your eyes somebody going higher and spinning faster than the other guy right mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to discern or it was back then because they're on the same half pipe yeah and they're they're on the same half pipe and and they're really high in the air so you can think just even to the guy who doesn't know anything visually i understand or i can feel like i understand how in the world are people going to know the difference between a little tap off the lip and you know a thinner and a thinner and a roundhouse cut back to the whitewash bash in three foot Japanese beach break. Well, they won't in Japanese beach break, but that's the argument for the wave pool is they are on the same exact quarter pipe and there is, you can measure the difference in the height with their airs. But, but nothing, nothing was, was more boring exactly than Kelly's pool. And I'd even argue that stab high and all that is fine, but stab high is, is, would not be interesting to the layperson right. because they're not going high enough. Right. Like the layperson, no, I think yeah. there needs to yeah. be actual amplitude for the layperson to say, "Oh wow, look at that!" They'll look, they'll do it in Chopu. <laughs> so Chopu, I think, is the surfing's best chance to have. No, Sean White's going to come out of there, but there'll be if Chopu is 
grinding yeah that's that's a spectacle that's a spectacle that the layperson can sit and understand i yes but it still doesn't generate a sean white like it's, no no for sure they can only watch it as a novelty they don't understand uh the technical kind of nuance between it no. Five point ride and a ten point ride. Zero. They'll 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 see and and who knows the person who comes out a hero could be the guy who goes over the falls. I mean the biggest wipeout could generate the biggest the biggest headline. So I just published uh, two days ago an interview with Akila Ipa, Mm -hmm. surfboard shaper, who also super smart dude. I was shocked actually how articulate and bright he was and fast. Um, But he was talking about what we really need to do in terms of judging is create five disciplines. So the judges need to have like a five discipline criteria and um, it's on a point scale. And then you just add up the points at the end and the disciplines are so well defined that you could take somebody who's never seen surfing before and put them in the judging position and they can just read the criteria and watch the surfer on the wave and assign a a score to it. That's pretty brilliant because it shouldn't be that hard. Well, this started by you know us mutually acknowledging that all the judges are surfers and as a surfer you absolutely have favorite surfers that you've grown up watching and having a fondness for so how could you not be influenced by that so if john john florence paddles out against jeremy flores you know i already like john john and so i can't pull that mask away i can't pull that filter off of my viewing all of the judges are subject to that so it's inherently flawed it just is. Do you think? Do you think that their personal their personal preferences come honestly into play that much? I bet it's. It I, I can't not. I bet it's more the fact that they they travel with the surfers, right? They're all in the same hotels and the same places. Every yeah. single one of those competitions. That's why I I still don't understand, especially if you're looking, which WSL sometimes seems to be and sometimes seems to be in spending mode. But if you're looking to cut some costs, why not have the judges back in Santa Monica? There's absolutely and that serves a lot of benefit. You by the way. you not never just TNA. P- p- precisely yeah. you never see them anyway. It's not like they need to be there. No. They're not. I don't think they're allowed to watch the wave live, right? I think they need. Okay. I think the whole thing is based upon what you see on the screen. Right. I think I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure that's that's how they judge. Uh, and so anyway, and it doesn't even matter seeing them live versus seeing them on the, if you have all the angles. Right. Same diff. And that's what we're seeing anyway. Exactly. Is we're not seeing the live version. We're seeing the... So it jives with what you and I saw. Precisely. And then that way you take them out of the play. You should never have the judges ever commingling with the surfers. Ever. Not even Completely one agree. Not even one chance encounter. Completely agree. I think it's the... They champion the idea that like, no, 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 we're making this objective and we're not subject to uh, those influences that you're talking about or our you know, favorite surfer or anything like that. I think it's so disingenuous to even try to make that argument. How could anybody remove themselves from that level of influence? And if you even think that you can, you're delusional. Especially when it's coming down to 0.001 or whatever, whatever to a tenth of a point, then for sure, if you have a favorite surfer, I would imagine. And who doesn't? Yeah, you're going to have... You can't even call yourself a surfer if you don't have favorites. Yeah, you're going to kick it one-tenth over. So the only thing that makes sense is to have non-surfers view it and judge it. From Santa Monica. Yeah, I mean, from a remote be, location. We we could actually do this, you know. We could get a panel of non. We could set up a criteria, uh, like whatever IPA had, right? Take that criteria, 
get five non-surfers to agree to come down for all we'd need is like three heats and just see if we can win if their judgment if they pick the better surfer out of out of each of those heats agreed right and then compare that to what what wsl judges happen that that would be fascinating experiment yeah it'd be good um by the way the greatest idea it it hit me while you said it and then it really resonated even more after was you telling Devin that for the longboard tour they need to combine the men and women's how great would it be because because it's i feel so great. the 15 year old girl i didn't watch any of it but so i'm going uh, totally off the seat of my pants here but i would imagine what i the still photos i saw of that 15 year old girl who won looked as good in the stills as Jill Tudor right yeah. and so having her go against Jill Tudor what i mean talk about battle of the sexes talk about putting surfing on blast and the longboard tour of all things on i mean if devin did that devin fucking howard you better do it if devin did that uh he would totally supersede the ct in terms of coverage espn would get on that i mean at least for a, so a, a few minutes they would say there's an actual man v woman competition like happening. so um this is where Elo comes in is he could get this pumped through the New York Times and everywhere, everywhere else to cover it. And it's sincerely, there's no disingenuousness in this. Like no. This is sincerely the best way to judge longboarding surfing is by this criteria. And in this criteria, muscle doesn't matter. Because there's no... There's, Upper body doesn't matter versus lower body. There's no power carbs, No. Right? I mean, the, no, and the girl... Joel barely did a turn the entire time and he won just the, by hanging five. And the girl can do a drop knee bottom turn as good as a guy, right? Totally. Like and the, she can hang on the nose as good as the guy. The guy can do it as good as the girl. Like, I mean, I style it, matters. And I, I see, it, see it in Cardiff all the time that, like, I mean, there's so many fruity, you know, dancey longboarders there. The girls are just as good as guys. Totally. Like, just as fun to watch. Even more enjoyable to watch half the time. So this is the perfect uh, sport to really do a commingling of genders. And then it's the perfect time in society and history for it to just catch wildfire and talk about being progressive. Terms, yeah. I mean, it, it puts it puts the equal pay thing just to absolute shame. Like equal play, equal playing field. Exactly. I mean, that's, this is so good. It's really good. I cannot believe. Do you think when they do it, because for sure they're going to do it, that credit will come to this room right here, or do you think it'll be like Elo pounding his chest? We need to uh, lean on Warshaw to mark this moment in history. Yep. On uh, EOS. Yeah. Yeah. I think because so I don't think they'll acknowledge it. I don't think the no, WSL for sure will not. It'll be but, like the WSL as the most progressive, forward-thinking organization on earth right. has decided to yeah. dot dot dot. Well, good thing you're out in space throwing messages back. Throw just giant nuclear blasts. These things happen on the fringe. Dude. Yep, they do. Um, speaking of Joel Tudor, beach did, grip favorite Joel Tudor. Why is he a beach grip favorite? By the oh, way, oh man, if just Google Google search Joel Tudor and beach grip, there's got to be like a hundred stories. No, I know, but. Um, when you put that in the headline, Beach Grit favorite, it was as if that means that you endorse Joel Tudor, as if Beach Grit endorses Joel Tudor. I feel like the result of most of those stories are poking fun at Joel God, Tudor. Obviously. Yeah. That's, that's the best. So he's not favorite. Uh, he's, he's my favorite. I, anybody who's... Favorite I mean, to lampoon? Oh, man. A favorite just in... Like, the, the content that Joel... He doesn't do it as much anymore now that he's a serious world champion threat. Uh <laughs> Like, but just his popping off at the mouth, I'll take that every day of the week. It's funny. Kelly Slater, speaking of, uh, DM'd be Beach Great yesterday, very hurt with our coverage of his wave pool. Really? Yeah. What did he have to say? <laughs> he said something like, 
something about you guys just love clickbait or something. And Derek's response to him was just, God, yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to know what, what where you guys went wrong in the coverage of the wave pool. Was it be, I, the headline that I liked was... Noted environmentalist? Yeah, noted environmentalist yeah. builds 18 million ton, gallon yeah. wave tank, you know? Uh, are you looking it up right I'm now? I'm looking at Kelly said, you guys love nothing more than clickbait. And Derek's response was, God, yes. Of course, <laughs> Kelly. Um, so noted environmentalist was very funny. I think, that's, I think he feels those like... But I put in the story. I said they're claiming that yeah. it's way less than a golf course, which is all full-on bullshit. I mean, not that it's less than a golf course, but... Come on. Where, okay, where did you get those numbers? Give me give me real proper numbers on and what kind of water also. I would imagine that many golf courses are being watered with gray, gray water, right? Probably, yeah. Where there's no way you can have gray water in a swimming pool. Right. And so it's, I mean, it's, there's so many layers of greenwashing happening right now. And I just wish we really got off of topic here. We really swung to a new one without nope. closing this- one off. But we'll come back. Okay. This is on, on the notes anyways. I like Kelly Slater, just be honest. Just be either say I'm a full on hypocrite. I am the I am the world's largest hypocrite. I own it. I wear it. That's what I am, right? I like to be green when it serves me. Uh, I like to make a lot of money. So when greenness gets in the way of me making money, then I make money. Right, where if it comes to making a sustainable brand called Outer Known that uses fishing nets and all that kind of stuff, I'll do that because whatever, like that's marketing too, right? Uh, if it comes to me flying laps around the world to chase waves and just spewing CO2 in the air and then building a giant wave pool in a drought stricken desert, when two others are going into that same desert, by the way, the only one that's sustainable there is uh, Shane and Kalani's. Why is that sustainable? Because it's in an existing wave pool. They're just taking wet and wild and... But wet and wild's been out of business. Sure, but it's still... It's It's been dry. Sure, but it was a wave pool. I mean, it was a water park that had an existing water flow. I don't... But that's still not sustainable. No, but they're not... sustainable. It's not sustainable, but that's the least... Like, they're the ones... They're the only of the three that can claim any kind of mantle to, hey, we're, we're not building anything that didn't exist before. We're just refilling a pool that existed, you know. It's in less a, impact. Yeah, less impact. But Kelly, like, just come on, Kelly. Just say, I don't, I don't give two shits about the environment. I literally don't. Number one, I don't think Kelly has ever claimed to be an environmentalist. I mean, he has a big, he has, his, uh, yes, for sure he has. His, all the outer known ads were all about yeah, Kelly. Yeah, his business. Sure, but Kelly was pounding his. His business and, uses environmentalism as marketing. His business is. We're going we're gonna to go, we're going to do a deep dive here and see how many times Kelly Slater I, has so, spoken I, out on environmentalism. I don't disagree with you, and I'm actually going to argue for your points, but I do want to kind of uh, try to get it right at yeah. least. Um, I don't think he's ever claimed to be an environmentalist and his businesses always have an environmentalist bent to them. So I think that it mat- I I think it probably matters to him on a personal level, environmentalism and all he, that stuff. He wants to However, feel he wants to feel environmental. Right. So that is kind of the detail here is I think they're using those things strictly for their marketing benefit because the optics are good. I do not think the world needed another clothing brand. And I think another clothing brand actually does way more harm than good. And whatever minimal amount of reworking the system that they're trying to do 
will not translate to the way that um, any other major that the way H and M does their sourcing and manufacturing. You know, so if they're trying to rework the wheel, it's not going to have any real implication. They're also never going to sell enough product to make a real difference. No, to like take away from H and M's business, anyways. And um, I, th- I think also like there is, there is a big move right now, like Delta claim that they're going to go carbon neutral in the next 10 years or whatever. None of that makes a difference. None of that means they're changing over to go solar fueled airlines or anything like that. They're still using jet fuel. All they're going to do is basically be planting trees. Their carbon neutral thing means they're going to be offsetting the carbon, which by the way, could be a good thing, but it's all for optics. They're not going to make any difference. Yesterday to me, I I even took a picture of it uh, at the Hollywood building I was in. Uh, I went to throw something away. They had like a snack bar thing with all normal products, right? Like it wasn't, I mean, fine. There's some organic, whatever, all fine and good. But, uh, you know, Cheetos and just regular stuff, uh, normal stuff that makes normal trash. I went to throw something away and open the thing. The two spots in the trash can were compost and recycling. For So I could throw my... Cheetos bag into either either compost or recycling where I'm sure everybody throws it's just trash right I mean right. that is landfill trash yeah but just by putting it in recycling I got to feel like I recycled my my Cheetos bag or right. I could have maybe even composted my right where right. it just did and I don't know why the greenwashing things makes makes me frustrated all it is is marketing uh I just it just annoys when Kelly does it i guess <laughs> that's just rude but it annoys when kelly does it to me more than but others i think you're right to call out the hypocrisy in that adding another clothing company certainly the wave pool thing is so counter to the environmentalist movement i mean it's and then using it for marketing about environmentalism is yeah is it's, the it, real hypocrisy i mean it's egregiously hypocritical and i'm all fine with hypocrisy right like yeah i don't care about hypocrisy just own it just say i am a hypocrite I am right. branding my wave pool as green, snigger, snigger. Yeah. That's what I, I mean. So do you think three wave pools can exist in the in the desert? No, but I'm so, f- this is, th- this is the m- most thrilling thing that's happened in surf in the last year. Okay. So- Much to Ash and Goggin's chagrin that the Hurley takeover was not the best story in the last 10 years so uh there's desert surf yep which by the way each of these have surfers attached to them yep are are these surfers investors in these projects or are they just ambassadors for the project i would imagine that they have some equity okay uh and and they're consulting like to help with yes how to build out i think kalani and shane for theirs are actually the the not only the brains behind it but have i don't know how much skin they have in the game but they're like okay they are actually the business so uh, that is the Palm Springs Surf Club, yes, which you mentioned taking over the existing property. Um, the Hobgoods and Josh Kerr are involved with a company called Desert Surf or a project called Desert Surf. And then Slater's, of course, um, was just announced. And that's a huge project that's going to be built on, I forget how many acres it was. It was a, it was a, it was a mini with like cana- Four, 400 acres. It was like canals to sup through and hydrofoil through and stuff like that. Yeah. It was like a... Same development company that built the Yellowstone Club. Yep. Like it's super high end uh, playground for the elite. And there are going to be resident. There's going to be a hotel. There's going to be residences on the property. The residences are going to sell from 1 million to... I think it's one to five. One to five million dollar homes. 
um, in La Quinta. And part of this is going to have a giant wave pool. And by the way, the wave pool is only accessible to hotel guests. Yep. So I think that it's and, a total... And homeowners, right? Oh, probably. I mean, yeah. I think that would make buy sense. Home, so that... They haven't shown any of the what the model looks like, but realistically, this is going to be a country club model. This is going to be... You can come... Kelly Slater Wave Co. makes the perfect wave, and you can come, you can go surf those other pools and get a bunch of waves an hour and fight it out with the dregs of humanity, you know? Or come surf our pristine giant pool. It's the largest footprint. It's got the longest wave, appealing, perfect barrel, and... But the only, you can only do it if you pay the country club fees. Sure. And the hotel will probably be, I don't know, 700 bucks a night or yep. something like that. So, yeah, you can spend the 700 bucks a night and then also pay the pool fees, what which you, are going to be exorbitant. What do you well. think? I mean, Kelly's the quote that Kelly said about it being a totally new design interested me greatly, maybe more than others. Do you think he's really pulling a new design or do you think they are going to take basically the train model? have a have a sled running both sides of the pool so you got one wave one way the other wave the other way right i mean because theoretically you could do that at their existing facility i think yeah it's it's an updated version of their current model so the train probably goes underground yeah so it's quiet and you can't see it it's less disruptive okay but it's still the foil underwater that's the drag underwater is creating the wave okay so it's oh i i think so yeah yeah so they just drop the whole thing because you're digging it so you just dig dig the thing train underground all of a sudden, there's this wave that pops up as the... Okay, And they gotcha. can change... They could obviously make it bigger than the current ones and change the bottom contours, but it's the same general technology. And do you think... That he also said that there's going to be like uh, beginner waves on the inside. So just the backwash hits another... Or they could have even like a wave garden-esque little... Whitewash. Yeah. Ten, ten beginners getting up on the whitewash. Yeah. That would make sense. Okay. If you're paying the country club fee, I mean, you kind of want a little bit of exclusivity... Do you think that Kelly's wave is, you've surfed now, which ones? You've surfed Waco, Wave Garden, and Kelly's. Is Kelly's wave that much better than the, and and, or the potential for Kelly's wave, that much more fun than the others? Where You use two different words, better and more fun. I'm going to say more fun. It is better, it's not more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, for the country club person who wants the best, then he can claim, yeah, I have the best. I reckon Kelly's is getting built for sure, right? With the investment... Uh, as far as I know, yes. I mean, the investment people behind it, Michael B. Schwab, Charles Schwab's son, is an investor. Kelly, and the fact that the Yellowstone Club uh, is slated to build. I mean, I don't know. I, it just That one seems like it's it's got a pretty good shot of getting built, as does, I mean, the w- wet and wild one. The Palm Springs Surf Club, I think that's going, yeah. So I, I re- do you think I they're all going to get built? I, I believe that the Kelly's one will get built. I don't know enough about the other two to really weigh in on that. Um, the more interesting thing to me is will, even if they all get built, can they even exist? I mean, it's... I don't think they can exist. Like, realistically, I don't think these things succeed. I think there's, there's an element of grouping that actually elevates all three of them because i would not have surfed the austin pool nor the waco pool unless the other one existed sure i wouldn't have gone strictly for waco you know i went because you could do two things i mean palm springs is not going to be surf city usa if they're all up and running and it's more accessible the other thing was getting to the texas ones you got to get a plane ride from from pretty much any normal surf community 
The desert one is accessible for San Diego, LA, Orange County, Santa Barbara even. So there's a lot of surf communities that'll do that drive. But it's a lot of water. It's a lot of water. I guess there is the infrastructure in place already for, you know, Coachella is going to attract more people in Stagecoach. So there's enough hotels. There's enough freeway access. I mean, they're all building hotels. Or the, right. I don't know if the Palm Springs Surf Club one is, but the... The urban or desert surf is building a hotel too. Gosh, yeah, I guess maybe there is a cert, there is a sustainability. I mean, I would my instinct, yes, is obviously not, but I've been so wrong so many times in my life. That I think maybe maybe it works. Maybe they all somehow work, and Palm Springs becomes a weird inland surf mecca as part of whatever else it is, right? Like where people from around the country and around the world, for that matter, book trips to Palm Springs to surf for a week, like they would. Indo or anywhere else, like because they know it's probably same cost as an Indo boat trip, you know. But they just probably feel more comfortable. I mean, with the the way the world is kind of becoming more and more paranoid, I think uh, Palm Springs, besides fully running out of water and Kelly Slater personally draining the world of its last drops, uh, you know, there's never going to be any problems out there. Like no social unrest, no yeah government change, unlimited amount of land to develop completely. Too. And uh, it already has world-class restaurants. Yep. It has world-class hotels. It has music cl- festivals. World-class gay scene. Golfing. Endless golfing. A big gay scene. The, I wasn't dodging it. I was acknowledging <laughs> it. <laughs> I just think that's important for surfing. Uh, Having a vibrant gay scene will, is, is more in line with surfers' general ethos than the other things. It makes sense as we're discussing it that there are a lot of reasons to do that surf trip more than the Indo Indo surf. It's strictly to get waves. I mean, that's the thing. This allows you to take the family and do a bunch of other things. The Indo surf trip is for a surfer surfer where I think there's a lot of just surfers out there, right? Who are like a little afraid of maybe a reef pass, you know, like are a little timid when it comes to going to even Indonesia, like thinking, you know, it's a... kind of third world like you know just the where oh but yeah like all they still like to surf they're just not a surfer's surfer you get to go surf and not give up any of your creature comforts zero yeah zero and you can feel like i mean stinking schwab's quote in there was so obnoxious his like something about i can't remember it exactly but in their press release was something about i wouldn't have i wouldn't have been able to get as good as I am as quick as I can or could without a wave pool or something like that. Something to that effect of like where you're going to get a lot of people who want to think they're going to get good at surfing by the repetition of a wave pool and or where it will make them better, right? Where you can go get your reps pretty quick and you can get your little snappy top turn way quicker than you could have had you gone to, you know, Nicaragua or Mexico or somewhere else where you were both fighting a, a crowd for waves and or you know having to wait for sets you know what's weird i find myself um slowly going over to the dark side because like if you take if you take schwab as an example of he's not going to just paddle out at a random day i don't know where he lives sure san francisco maybe yeah you know or la so let's say he lives in san francisco he's not going to just go paddle out on a random day in ocean beach because he's thinking, oh, I got a trip to uh, Indo next week. Yeah. And then I've got a trip to Hawaii the week after. And then I'm going to surf the wave pool. So you know what? I'm just going to go to the office today. I- I'm almost getting into that mindset myself, even though I don't do nearly as much travel as he does. 
Like I'm at the point where surfing a random day at home doesn't feel near, doesn't have nearly the allure that it used to because uh, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to focus my energy on that thing over there. I mean, I totally think, and again, could be wrong like I always am, but that the wave pool surfer is not going to be an ocean surfer necessarily. That's what we're going to see. That they like getting cold, getting crowded, fighting, waiting for waves, you know, waiting for wind, waiting for tide, all this kind of stuff is going to be when eh, I'm going to Palm Springs next week. I'm just going to wait for that. Right. Like I wonder how, because part of what, I don't know. I think the growing up surfing in the ocean, it's a, there's a certain allure to it for the ocean surfer, right? Which if you grew up surfing in a pool, why would those things, why would the things that are a pain in the ass, the things that are a pain in the ass about surfing are what I still love about surfing. But if I didn't grow up loving them and having them be part of surfing, why would I want them? Why would I choose to I would love, sit with a grumpy local? It'd be really curious to see Michael B. Schwab out in the water at our local beach breaks. Yeah. Like, could he even get in position for a wave? Could he battle it out when the set comes? Like, could he, can he duck dive, yeah, you know? no idea. It'd be weird. Yeah. And maybe he could. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a And maybe he surfs in the surfer. ocean all the time. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Um He's not a ripping surfer. I've seen his wave pool clips. They're okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, he's not bad. But did, did you see Elo getting getting almost <laughs> getting non-tubed with dry paddle dragon? I did see that. Man, yeah. I can't believe that we let this happen. I'm a. We let a supper just take over everything. I liked your angle on it. Um, yeah, I'm not offended by it as much as I should be. I'm not offended. I'm just like we just go, we got I, totally bent well, over and spanked. You're you're right with the with the carbon fiber paddle yeah um i want to direct some of your ire towards foils though like us directing it back at sup is the trend is already kind of gone i've never been i've never been burned by a foil i've never had a gonna be i've never had a foil sit way beyond the lineup or that i can see stroking over from the from the peak down the beach because he sees the peak i'm sitting on better stroke over sit out the back and stroke into a wave like fuck those guys that sup is the absolute worst of them all and once a foil starts when kai lenny hops his way across the pacific and drops in on me at cardiff then i'll hate foils too but it has never happened i saw a bunch of foils in hawaii right hawaii is a funny place back to hawaii very quickly for emotionally embracing all kinds of different surf craft like you'll see grown grown men on boogie boards having the time of their lives foiler out the back kite foiler somewhere supper is doing whatever they're doing and none of it is annoying in hawaii it all feels like it's a water world paradise Mm -hmm. and you don't really see or where i was there wasn't much commingling right the foiler wasn't coming into the lineup the supper was way out the back doing some who knows what the boogie boarders were riding some weird little slabby thing and the surfers were on the peak doing whatever like everybody was doing people ride the right equipment for the right waves and there's that many much diversity in waves that they all have many opportunities to do those things the problem is for all things, when people go to Hawaii and they have such a good time on vacation, they kind of come back here and try to transpose that yeah. onto. They try to suck and, here. Or wear a puka shell necklace oh. or wear a Tommy Bahama shirt yeah. or a Ren Spooner shirt or their sandals or whatever. Like, no. Leave Hawaii in Hawaii. Exactly. But exactly. the but the dance. You're not drinking a Mai Tai at home tonight. The da- No, I don't. I only do it in Hawaii. Yeah. Like, I've never mixed a Mai Tai at home. I leave it in Hawaii. The But the damn sup, the scourge, the scourge of surfers. Like, Boogie boarders, nothing. Boogie boarders are cute and fun, right? Yeah. Boogie boarders were cute and fun 
now were then became embarrassing. Now are the hardest charges out there, right? So that's the boogie arc. Good on you, boogie boarders. I tip my cap to you. Never been in the way. Never any problem with the body border, right? Have you ever had a problem with the? I mean, never, maybe no. maybe a personal problem with one, but never as a group of people. No, they're they surf different waves, and it's great, awesome, good. Suppers trying to surf your waves, fuck them all. And yeah. now one is president, CEO, yeah, the owner of professional surfing, the face, the voice. I yeah, know. We, we just got whipped. We let it happen. We did. Um, Equinor. Yeah. Pulls out. Do you care? Well, I mean, I think it's a good thing that they pulled out. The The line of questioning that I had for you is more like surfers are claiming this is a victory. Yeah, yeah. Did surfers have anything to do with this at all? I mean, I have no idea. The The chest pounding afterwards of we changed the world and what else can we do? What what should we take on next uh, is like all of it's vaguely laughable to me yeah let's say they did let's say the paddle outs and all that there was enough in australia there was enough visual kind of uh eye candy with all these surfers protesting that got the i don't know turned the electorate against even though there's wasn't up for election or anything but just turned the population against equinor if the noise was loud enough where it was part of what kicked it over then good i mean good on them but like, I don't even know. Everybody became an expert. Oh, that's a crazy thing. Everybody all of a sudden became an expert in deep sea drilling and what it was going what it was going to do and what it does, right? Where I'm not all pro deep sea drilling, but and for sure, as we saw in the Gulf of Mexico with that spill, I mean, those oil rigs, deep sea, you know, dr- when it goes bad, it goes very, very, very bad. So I totally, completely understand not wanting to have one of those things off Australia's coast. But everybody acting like they're experts in the nuances of deep sea drilling is pretty silly. There's two experts. There's uh, Sean Doherty did become an expert yep. and Damien Cole probably became an expert throughout I mean, this whole experience. I mean, did Sean Doherty really become an expert? Yeah. I mean... You think so? Dude, Do you think he knows the the real serious ins and outs of deep okay. sea drilling? Beyond, expert? No. But beyond also what whatever the hippie talking point is, right? Did Sean go up and sit with Equinor and really say, walk me through the process? Did he go out on an oil rig, you know, wherever they have them and watch I, I don't how it's know, done? I don't know that he did those things, but I spent time with him last year in March when I was there and that this thing had been going on, let's say for six months at that time since he got involved in it. And yes, his level of studying and commitment to it. And like, he's a journalist by the way, by trade. So like his level of journalistic kind of investigation was absolutely rigorous. But I guess, and maybe correct me where I'm wrong here. I always felt that he, his journalistic thing was pointing in one direction. Like this cannot happen, right? I mean, he was championing. He wasn't. He wasn't a neutral judge here. Of like, hey, that could be. I'm going to journal. Take a journalistic look here. He was a what? An activist. Yeah. Right. And he was anti. He was anti. But and I'm so, not sure where he, why, or how he became anti. To answer your question. Sure, but but so that's where I will say you're great. You had an angle, and you went and you studied things along that fell in line with your angle. Right. But you weren't doing a open-ended, you know, hey, what if deep-sea drilling is like the answer to all our problems? Not that I think it is, but right. but Sean Doherty never had that question ever pop in his head, nor did he I, look in directions that would have... He may have, dude. I Honestly, I can't answer no, that question. I That's a good either. question. But 
so back to the original point though is um i wonder i'm again glad this happened the way that it happened all that sort of stuff i think protesting is important i don't yeah. want to minimize the important in that it's changed policy you know for the better for a lot of things um but in this specific example the visuals are compelling you see all of these surfers paddling out the surfers do the paddle out in november 2019 the very next month the government approved the drilling yeah so that would indicate that the protest didn't work then equinor comes out this past week or whatever and says that they've abandoned their plans. $200 million proposal to drill in the Great Australian Bight. They are abandoning due to... Market forces. Uh, economic. It doesn't yeah. pencil out on paper. Basically, yeah. the economics no longer work for us, which is something that Chevron had figured out in 17, I think, and BP had figured out at some point. They had all withdrawn. So they're stating... No, it's just economic. Yeah. It had nothing to do... They didn't even address the protesting. They're just stating it had nothing to do... With the uh, or it only had to do with the economics of it. So I'm saying, okay, well, protests in November, government approves in December, Equinor pulls out due to financial reasons a couple months later. And claiming a big victory. So now the surfers are claiming a big victory. Did we have anything to do with it or not? No, I think okay. I think I think Equinor. I mean, my personal opinion is I think Equinor would have happily drilled through directly through every surfer in Australia. I think so too. To, to get to that oil, if there was going to be profits you know x and i also think they're just going to go somewhere else and do it there yeah they're going to get their oil sure they're, they're going to find a better way and or whatever sure right. yeah the surfers i don't think i mean i don't think at that level who cares yeah i mean yeah so long tom on beach grit interviewed damian cole asking him that specific question he was like hey um you know were they just stating that it was a financial reason that they pulled out? And Damien's answer to it was, yeah, it obviously is because they've done the math. They did the math years ago before they even decided to start going through all this process. So why would they then change the math now? So that that is an interesting point. I don't know that that's entirely true. You With any business venture, you find new expense as the business and progresses. I mean, it may be part of it, maybe where the surfers did have a play possibly was maybe the Australian government was going to give, you know, tax benefits and all this kind of stuff that was going to make it more profitable. Yeah. Uh, and that the protests made the government shy about, you know, helping out more or something like that. Like maybe there's some back room. Hey, you know, basically you could pay half tax and, yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. I think about even, um, with Kelly chiming in on your DMS, I'm realizing that there, it only really gives whoever is the protester is, it only adds fuel to their fire by engaging with it at all. Oh yeah. Like I'm shocked that Kelly even I mean, that's a good chimes in. That's one of the greatest parts about Kelly though, is his, his inability to like, I feel that, but also what makes Kelly for me, Twice as interesting as Laird, or ten times as right. interesting. I mean, part of it is that Kelly actually surfs, and Laird's a kook. But, but really, Laird has never chimed in. Laird has never engaged. I can't. If if I saw a DM from Laird, I would be so blown away. Right. Like he's not a person to me. He's just a concept. Right. Uh, Kelly's a person, which makes Kelly more fun to poke and prod, but then also more enjoyable to praise. Agreed. And that's great for you that you find it more interesting. 
But for Kelly and Laird, I don't think it matters at all. Laird's stock hasn't gone down one bit by not engaging. So there's one business model that you would think is like, oh, well, they are a media entity and I want to partner with the media entity and make sure that my name's still in whatever. But Laird's stock hasn't gone down. No, no. I mean, I think Kelly's not engaging. Oh, for sure. I think Kelly's smartest thing would be not to engage. Right. And it only is going to like him clearly being affected by your headline only wears him down. Like it gets in his head and makes him. But that's but I angry. St- I still think I mean again and Kelly does not need the surf market. Uh, Kelly is transcended surf, right? Exactly. Kelly is. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that Kelly still cares and still consumes surf makes me like Kelly personally more. Uh, yeah. Uh, like but very he, much more. He would be wise to keep his head clear and just not engage. But please don't, maybe. Kelly. Please right, don't. But I wonder. I wonder though how much of Kelly still being a surfer. Uh, still wanting and needing to engage with surfers is what gives Kelly his sort of Superman longevity uh, is that he gets some kind of energy from it too, right? He gets energy from still being part of the community that Laird gets his energy from ice baths and fake coffee creamer. Turmeric. Yeah, turmeric. But Laird's lack of engagement, I mean, Laird's, Laird is so cut free from surf, in my opinion. Like the only people I hear talk about Laird literally are people who do not surf yeah but he's that example that you're talking about right he's the example that you're talking about in hawaii where he's probably spending more time in the water than anybody else on a bunch of different variety of crafts so he's more simultaneously more surf and less surf than any other human on the planet i'm gonna say though surf and water the hawaii waterman thing are two separate things like i think he's still well that's an interesting point do you think he gets on a shortboard never or a longboard even ever Ever. He's Probably either not. he's either foiling, foil supping, he's doing some some bizarre thing. How weird would it be to have him paddle out next to you in the lineup on a shoulder to shoulder? Like yeah, on a shorter I mean, board. I, I don't even I can't and even like imagine paddle for a wave. I honestly can't even think that he could surf paddle for a wave and surf a shortboard anymore. That's so funny. Do you think he could? I mean, I'm no. sure he he could, but he would look as kooky as me. Yeah. Like I could probably surf as good as Laird Hamilton. Yeah, that on, is scary. It's true, though, don't that you think? weird. Don't yeah, you think it's true? I do think it's true. Yeah. I, bet, I do I, think it's true. I bet he would even have a trouble pumping down the line and stuff. Yeah, like not bo- sure. Like, he's kind of overbuilt and he, stuff. He he's, needs a 30-foot wave to yeah, even get going. To do, I mean, that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's ama- in a in shoulder-high surf, I'm better than Laird Hamilton that's on a shortboard. amazing. I feel really good right now. This is the headline. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> um. It's interesting. So in regard to those guys chiming in or not, it's interesting how bifurcated or just segmented the surf world has become. It's so new. It it never was that way when we were growing up. And I was thinking about Jamie O'Brien in this regard too. Like the fact that he's created his own platform where he does not need promotion from any other entity in surf. Zero. And he's created his following through YouTube and his vlog he never has to chime in with anything that you or I or any other portion of surf media ever says again. He doesn't even need to engage with the surf brands that used to be potential sponsors. He can formulate all of that on his own terms. But what's most interesting about it to me is that he's a hardcore surfer. Like I wouldn't think that what he's doing really translates to a broader audience, but I get emails from guys, uh, listeners who are like, 
hey, look at like the 15 minute and 32 second mark of this random vlog that he did. And he's pumping out these things weekly. Look at the 15 minute mark. 30, uh, look at like when he says this one thing, it makes me think that he completely disparages this other thing. The only, like the, the they're commentary like that they're giving cuts. me is deep, deep thoughts. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're watching this, that. I could see maybe you turning it on and looking away. And then when he paddles out a pipe, you look back at it. But the fact that you're watching it this intensely and these things are 30 minutes long and you're watching two a week is insane to me. I mean, I think Jamie O'Brien is and always has been a great showman, uh, which which gets taken for granted. He is a magnetic show showman. I mean, he puts on a good show. He always has from when he started making his own movies to you know every part of his thing has been to put on a show and he puts on a good show and he's a super talented surfer exactly and that's like the so that that combo of him being a wonderful showman and i think he understands like the beats of a showman like in a in a very musical theater kind of way right like where he understands peak and valley in this like almost physical comedy in a way that no other surfer knows. And so he's actually entertaining people in a way that even, you know, more serious surfers or whatever don't entertain people. Right. Like Jamie entertains. He, he is, you're right. He is entertaining. And you'll watch a Jamie, and I, I get your point that you, I don't sit and watch them religiously. I rarely do watch them. But when I do watch them, they don't annoy me at all. Like Ben Gravy, right. time, for, time for some online hate. Ben Gravy has more fans like passionate fans than anyone else. I say one even hint that I might be at all making any critique of Ben Gravy and guarantee I'll get both DMs, emails, and comments that say like, Knock, fuck you, he serves better than you. He's awesome. He's like a breath you, of fresh air. You know what's funny is I get those comments, they come through Facebook Messenger. <laughs> oh, I, I don't even check so, this. But, I, I, that's the thing. I don't yeah. even go on Facebook. And anytime I get a message, it's from one of Ben Gravy's fans. Yeah. And I'm like, of course his fans use that media. Yeah. You know, like that only validates my point. But but to me, Ben Gravy is not a showman like Jamie. He just annoys. I think he's only a showman. But he's really annoying. Ben yeah, is. yeah. Agreed. But showman can be annoying. Sure. But But I think his only thing is that he's a showman. He doesn't have whatever. He doesn't have like the. Surfability? Well, certainly not the ability of Jamie as a surfer, but also not the um, awareness of where the joke is. Like Jamie, you said he knows the beats and the valley. Like Ben doesn't know that. Yeah. He's just going to come out with jazz hands. Yeah. You know? And like do it as loud and as colorful as possible. But Jamie understands the salt, the savory and the sweet. Yeah. And like where to add the salt, where yeah, to yeah. add the grit. Like, um, I mean, Jamie, for his audience and for, for not his audience, I'll say for the American mainstream audience is goldmine. I'm, I know, su- I'm I surprised he doesn't have more. I mean, I'm sure he's doing totally just fine. I just didn't realize that the audience was as broad as it is. I thought it would only be like hardcore surfers. No. And then maybe kids who like the Poopsies character or whoever that Poopies character. Is he, is Poopy still on there? I think so, yeah. So I think there's kids who like the shenanigan, the jackass, the jackass shenanigans. And then the hardcore surfers who like the pipeline footage. But I didn't know that there was this vast, vast, vast middle audience of 42-year-old accountants who are trying to avoid their workload that are fully watching this. Yeah, sitting and watching Because they've already checked Beach Grit twice today, and they checked Stab once, and then they checked whatever else, and there's no contests on. So now they need a 30-minute thing. Yeah, Jamie fix. Yeah. And he delivers. Crazy. He delivers. Weird to me. 
Yeah. Uh, well, we do have a barrel or not. Should we go to break before we do barrel or not? Let's do Get it. Get paid. Since we don't have our stinking Grooming. manscape money anymore. Uh, maybe they'll come back. I hope so. We can entice them back. I know we mentioned that on the last show, and I got like five probably DMs of people showing me that they ordered products. So people will see Manscaped? Maybe there's a big final push, and Manscaped will come back to us. I hope so. All right. Well, in the meantime, let's go to break. We'll be back with barrel or not. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Chaz, we're back. It was a good one. I don't know if Fidelity.com was a sponsor this time or not, but you're talking about coronavirus earlier and how that creates... An opportunity to oh my goodness travel. i wanted to talk to you about this you can invest right now the I, markets got crushed if i had one dime i would throw that dime into the market somewhere yeah i mean it's down 800 i think even today again oh really i think it was when i was driving up on top of a thousand whatever yes the biggest drop in history yesterday on top of near a thousand before that so the market everybody is so sad right now the markets are down woe is me what i'm saying is no 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 this is the opportunity to jump in with both hands. Have you seen the video? Uh, what is it? Oh, it's so funny. I have to pull the name right now. The hold on here. Uh, the buy the fucking dip, you fucking idiot. No, it's really, really, really funny. That is the, a YouTube video. It's like a, one of those. I can't remember what it's called. The uh, uh, Bitcoin memes for Chad Fad fiends. I guess it's Chad Fad. Must That's be hilarious or something. It's really, really. But but it's this woman going through all these market variables and why it's fake and when it the 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 character. I mean, I'll send you the video. Just keep saying in his computer voice, 
buy the fucking dip, you fucking idiot. Just the whole, like, Ben Bernanke's not going to let the thing market crash. Da-da-da-da-da. It's free money. Buy the dip. The other thing that I will, I am not a financial Me expert either. by any stretch of the imagination. One thing I will say is um, everybody buy it. Your, your 401k is probably in a mutual fund, whatever. It's been proven at this point. You're not going to beat, even the savviest investors aren't going to beat an index fund. No. Don't go out and give somebody else money to make trades and lose a bunch of your profits based on their fees. Go buy Netflix. Go buy Apple. Go buy Amazon. And That's just, all you need to know. And just sit on it. Just ride it out. Yeah. Just ride it out. I, I wonder this. I mean, and those things, by the way, we couldn't... It was not necessarily beneficial to buy in the last couple of years as they've been just reaching exponential sure. growth. But right now, everything's down. Just buy those. I mean, I don't understand how there's enough people in the market who are pulling out at this rate for 1,000-point daily drops. Uh, you'd think... I mean, is there that many unsavvy investors? Yes. You'd think that, okay, coronavirus is going to come and go. Maybe I'm going to take a massive hit, uh, but it's going to go back up. Like, I mean, I could see pulling out, expecting it to drop more, and then buying those same stocks at a lower rate. Like, you're losing some money, but you're getting those same amount of stocks at a lower rate. So you're you're hedging your hedging your loss a bit. Like I could see that kind of pulling out, but I, I just don't understand what people are thinking when they pull out en masse due to panic that you know is a temporary... I mean, again, why I'm going to Europe with the daughter. Like this is the time to traipse through the, down the Champs-Élysées alone singing. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, people are it, locked it into their houses. It is weird to me that people pull out when it goes. Yeah. It dips. Buy the fucking dip, you fucking idiot. Yep. Perfect advice uh, from our financial yeah. segment of the podcast. <laughs> well, we will close with barrel or not. Everybody's favorite segment. Uh, barrel or not, Chaz. When a lead guitarist sidles up to the rhythm guitarist to smile and make faces together. Oh, it's such an awe. I want to really? say, say it's a barrel. I want to say it's a barrel because it's so cheesy, but I'm not true to myself. I, I'll tell you what I don't really like. And by don't really like, I mean extremely don't like. Is uh, what's Aerosmith's guitarist name? The uh, he's was married to Heather Lock. I think everybody in rock and roll was at one point oh, married to Heather Locklear, but he was too. He's a real handsome guy. I I, uh, I do not like a flashy showman lead guitarist, unless the lead guitarist that is their sole position. Joe, no, Joe Perry. Yeah, uh, Joe Perry. Okay. Joe Perry, very embarrassing man. Like and. So, okay, let's parse this a little bit okay. because I do like Jack, Jack White, right? You like Jack White? Yeah, of course. I like Jack White. Yeah, yeah. Jack White, I mean, there's a certain amount of uh, of theater in playing the guitar, obviously, but I guess I want my guitar playing theater to be directed somehow back toward the music where I feel when Jack, Jack White is playing a guitar, whatever he's doing physically is related to, directly to the music. When there's like okay. that sidle up, you know, that showy right. kind of thing, that's not directed at the, that's a separate show. Uh, that's a side show. I don't want to see the side show. Like okay. J- Jimi Hendrix, what he did, very theatrical, but all direct, burning his guitar and all of it, all directed back toward the music, right? Okay. His show was, was the music and his physical whatever physical antics were happening were about that music too. Whereas, so when it's, that's what I feel. The, the sidle up is a, is a separation of this is me as guitarist here. 
this is me as show guy here. Yeah, but you know that those guys have a special relationship, lead and rhythm guitar, and they're sharing some little moment together that you get insight into. I, That's I, the gimmick there. I, I guess I learned this group of... 50,000 people and they're having a private moment and they're letting us be a part of it. I might like it when, when Bono and The Edge do it because I feel The Edge is really awkward about it and uh-oh, here comes little Bono over and now he's going to put the spotlight on me and now I got to go back to back with him and so, like if the guitarist feels awkward, then I like it. It's funny how they there's such an actor quality to it where like the lead, maybe Bono in that scenario is like, fully immersed in his singing yeah. and the edge just is moved by the music over to him and suddenly they're bumping hits looking smiling doing something and bono is surprised by it so he's like oh he's and laughing you about are. it too. like oh I, this has never happened before you know are you are you barreling on the the I, i'm i'm kind of barrel on it i always for some reason it makes me laugh every time <laughs> as if i've never seen it before as if they're discovering true love or like love at first sight and i'm bearing witness for some reason it makes me happy that's good i like it i like it right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna still say no but i appreciate your barrel okay. i'm on the on the sand watching your barrel all right sweet uh barrel or not nah? uh therapy dogs oh no, real nah a real nah. I feel therapy dogs, the same about therapy dogs, exactly like I do about Kelly Slater's greenwashed wave pool. Like, if you want to bring your dog on the damn plane, just bring your dog on the damn plane. Like, pay whatever it is or do whatever you need to do or whatever. Like, the therapy dog claim and or real therapy dogs, the only true therapy dog is a dog that helps a blind person walk. Agreed. That's it. There's so, no therapy a dog provides behind besides helping a blind person walk. You can love your dog. That's I, fine. So I knew you were going to be mad at the people who'd bring the dogs on the planes. I was more going to focus it, my take on needing to pet a dog to quell your anxiety sure. is where I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay agreed with the blind dog, which is amazing to me, by the way. I mean, amazing. Amazing. Well, and the fact that therapy dogs have taken, have stolen the spotlight from the blind dog. The, blind, the dog is that, a shame. The dog that actually is does hard yards labor every day. The person's life is in that blind dog. I like we're calling them blind dogs. Guide dog. <laughs> the 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 person the person's life is in that guide dog's hand. Like the guide guide dog can get a little skitzy and go into the street and then person's never heard dead. Of it. Never heard of it happening once. Masters and all of a sudden you have all these therapy dogs everywhere getting petted and making people feel good. That well, are yeah the therapy dogs are taking all of the affection that was intended for the guide dog and sniffer dogs and like police dogs like Dude. sniff stuff out and People. the god that reminded me of a joke i gotta think about it before i deliver it um the other thing is the guide dog by the way is too dignified to even want your affection no every pathetic therapy dog out there will like tail start wagging begging for you to pet it a blind dog sticks to the game stoically stoically and won't even acknowledge a pet and they i would never even take a treat out of your hand and i hope that the guide dog goes home as well with the blind owner the blind owner goes and sits in the chair and fiddles with braille i trust that the guide dog dignifiedly goes into its room and goes to sleep like it doesn't, doesn't 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 expect they don't sit next to the loud talking tv that doesn't play pictures and enjoy a cuddle no nope the guide dog did its job it's off the clock that's all he needed yep was the honor of doing a hard day's work yep yep yeah no th therapy dogs fuck them for taking the spotlight Agreed for stealing fully. stealing from the guide dog
And shame on the human beings who have facilitated this whole debacle. Who needs to pet a dog? Just buy a baby. Yeah. Pet a baby or something. Go. Why can't there be therapy babies? Quell your anxiety with drugs and alcohol like the rest of us. That's what we do. Yeah. Come on, you guys. Pussies. All right. So we're going nah, both of us. All right. Barrel or nah, wearing a band's t-shirt to their own concert. Okay. I'm going to say that's a barrel. Wearing, because I feel... Yeah, wearing a that band's concert journey t- t-shirt to, to a, journey a journey concert, concert barrel, wearing a Van Halen t-shirt to a journey concert, not barrel. To be like, because you know the person at the journey concert who also has a Van Halen t-shirt for sure has a journey t-shirt. They thought they were going to be so cool as kind of like, yeah, it's cool. They're, I like music. They're a generalist, a yeah. concert enthusiast in general. That's what, the, and that's what the message they want to put out. And they don't want to be too on the nose with, I like Journey. This is me in my Journey t-shirt at a Journey concert, even though that's what they're feeling in their hearts. David mm. Lee, I do a, a lot like Kelly being a hypocrite. I don't like hypocrites. Okay. I want the Journey fan with multiple Journey t-shirts at home to wear a Journey t-shirt to the Journey concert. They have multiple shirts. They're only going to wear one. Should oh. they layer them? Uh, I mean, whatever whatever Journey swag you have, throw it all on. Okay. But don't. isn't it overkill? I've already paid money for this ticket to go see this concert which proves i'm a fan do i now need to wear the paraphernalia i'm saying what i'm saying no you can wear your blank t-shirt but if you're going to wear another concert t-shirt just to show that you're not so on the nose as to wear a journey t-shirt to a journey concert i don't even know if this happens anymore to be honest i used to see this i used to really love observing people's outfits out at live music because you know it's it was the one time more often than not, I feel the one time somebody really curated their look yeah. specifically, like way more than they curate their look ever. And so every choice I feel, and again, I don't know if this is true as much anymore, but back in the day, every choice was a choice, right? They didn't randomly grab shoes, a shirt and pants, which I feel many people do pretty regularly, right? They, okay, those are my rock and roll boots, right? but I don't they can't wear the doc martens they got to be a little bit like i mean ashen goggins is a perfect example of this ashen goggins at a concert would be side splitting comedy so this is the genre of music that that applies more to than any would be punk rock punk rock so at a punk rock concert you the attendee's strategy is to have a more punk rock t-shirt than the other people so it's not going to be the band that's on stage no it's going to be a more obscure band that did something more radical they ate you know, a live animal on stage or whatever. It's going to be a Gigi Allen shirt yep. at the Bad Brains concert. And you, you know, okay, do you wear your docs? Do you wear your Converse? But if you wear the docs, you got to wear the ones. They have to be worn out. They can't be new ones. Or yep. if they are the new ones, they have to be this, you know. I mean, that's the thing. But the fact that every decision was a literal choice, like a... Labored. Crafted, labored choice, to me, is is a fun part, or used to be a fun part, about going to concerts. Right. Yeah. Okay, so wearing a concert tee to that band's concert? Yes. Barrel. Barrel, just because being on the nose, I think you're just saying, I'm a fan, it's all good, right? I'm not trying to be a a cool guy. I'm just, like, being a fan in general is automatically totally uncool, right? If you're a fan of something, and so really to admit, I'm a fan, I'm uncool. I'm totally barreling that decision. Okay, uh, sub-question. 
the Beach Boys drummer wearing a Beach Boys hat at a Beach Boys concert. No, that is awful. When the when the band is sunk to such a such a lousy level that they're shelling their own product, he's the only one I could think of. Yeah, I mean, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh no, he literally does that. Yeah, and maybe Jimmy Buffett maybe wears Probably a Jimmy Buffett well, hat, like parrot head stuff maybe. or his own his own merch. Yeah, the band wearing its own merch is no no unless that band is like so obscure then it would be again like wearing a journey t-shirt to a journey concert or yeah. it's just oh, it's the only t-shirt we have as a band because we put all our money into this band it's hilarious that yeah they do that i know but the beach boys shilling beach boys merch hilarious is, yeah um all right well that was educational thank you for that um what else dude beachgrid.com is where people can go go Will we be together next week? We, yes, I leave for my trapes through coronavirus heaven in uh, on the 9th, I believe. That's when I leave for my next trip to Hawaii. Oh, perfect. We're gonna, are you going to wear a mask on the plane? No. No. I don't care at all. Yeah, coronavirus. Come no. get me. Uh, you know, I've had coronaviruses in the past, yeah, and none of them have really taken me out, yeah. and this one won't either. Yep. You have to be elderly, I think. And smoke cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. I love it that they, like, they're basing what information we have, and thousands, thousands of points of stock market drop at this point, based upon one city in China where I think it was 50% of the men smoke. Yeah. Uh, and it's... There's it, even more than that. Yeah, and it really affects your lungs. And like 2% of women. Yeah, exactly. And and this disease really affects your lungs. Yeah. What if it's just thinking Chinese smokers, all of a sudden, exactly. all their smoking caught up to them. And then also they developed a nasty thing in the lab that got out and, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if I come back dead from Europe. When do you... If you don't die, when will you come back? When uh, is your ticket booked for? One week. Yeah, so me too. The, okay, yeah, so we'll... 9th to the 15th. Yeah, I'm 9th to the 16th. So we'll be back the following week. Then. The following but we'll be week. here next week. And we'll have a week off. In the yes. Uh, all right, Chaz. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thanks to the Serving Heritage and Culture Center. Come visit. There's Duke Kahanamoku's board here. Beautiful. All right, Chaz. Until next week. Get barrel. Get barrel.